I'm Tiffany Grant, and you're listening to the Third Impact Anime Podcast. What are you, stupid? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I am Tobias and joined by my usual host, Austin. Hello. And Tori. Hi. And today we have an extra special guest, Tiffany Grant. Oh, hello. Hey, Tiffany. Uh, so as part of this uh, this interview we have today, I wanted to sort of talk about your experience being you know, the, the voice actress of Asuka mm-hmm. and Evangelion. And not only that, but also just your general experience in being a fan of the series over the past, yes. what, 20 years now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little more than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So yeah. just get things started on the background there. Um, uh-huh. Evangelion was released here in, I believe, 98. AD Vision had put it out in 1998. Uh, it had been out for two years in Japan at that point. Yeah. It, it actually started uh, being released uh, late 1996 in the U.S. Oh, on home okay. video, on VHS. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. VHS and um, Laserdisc, actually. The first, I think, like eight episodes were released on Laserdisc. But they, ne- they never finished the Laserdisc released, but um, yeah. Okay, so AD Vision had got it pretty much right after it was coming out in Japan then. Yes, it actually was um, being... We were recording the show uh, while it was still in its first national airing in Japan. So it had aired originally in Japan starting in 1995 as... Um, it wasn't nationally. It was sort of on various different stations throughout the country, but not nationally. And it had kind of built up some popularity. And then they did run it on a national basis. And it was during that time of that first national run in Japan that we were actually recording it. So it was released. A lot of people may not know this, but it was released on home video in the United States. First place in the world. It was released here before it was released anywhere. So. Wow. So did- did you have any experience of the show going in, into this beforehand? Um, my experience was uh, I remember going in because Asuka doesn't come in until the eighth episode. And back then we were recording two episodes at a time because on the VHS tapes, that's how many came out was two at a time. So I remember coming into the studio to record something else. And I saw them like the engineers or whatever they were editing and they were working on some show. And I saw that it was not something that I recognized. I'm like, what's that? What are you guys, what are you guys working on there? Hmm? What are you doing? What's that? What's that show? And they told me what it was. And, you know, so there were a few times that I went into the studio and I'm hearing kind of about that show. And um, so I finally decided one day to go into the uh, director's office, uh, Matt Greenfield, who was uh, writing and producing the, and directing the uh, English language version of the show. And so they're working on a show and I'm not in it. So I went in his office. I was like, uh, so, uh, yeah, I heard about this show you guys are working on, and I'm not in that, so what's up with that? And uh, could I do, like, some background stuff, or is there, you know, could I just do, like, a bit part or whatever? And he had in his office this uh, Gamera figure that had a Ray and an Asuka kind of on each side of him, flanking him, 
like a, a pimp with his hose kind of a thing. They were like, <laughs> they were like his bitches. So anyway, so here's this Gamera figure, and he's got these two cute anime figures next to him. And uh, he says, okay, well, you see that girl there in the red? That's you. You're the character right there. And I was like, oh, okay. But is there something that I could do on the show now? No, Tiffany, you can't do anything yet. So that was kind of my first experience with Evangelion is that it was a new show that they were working on and I was not in it. So that was <laughs> that was what I knew about it. And like, okay, I'm this girl in the red. Well, she must not be very important if she's not in the show yet. So that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you walked in and you you demanded to be part of yes. Evangelion. So you channeled Asuka before you were even Asuka. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. In fact, uh, the story goes that when they were going into production on the show, the people who worked at the studio kept coming into Matt's office and they were like, uh, so Tiffany's Oscar, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I actually did not audition for the role. Uh, I guess my audition was a bunch of characters that I had done before that and just, well, I was basically being myself. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I spoke German too, so that was kind of cool. But um, oh. Yeah, uh, it was just, yeah, I went in, it is a very Oscar thing to do. What is this show? And I want to be on it. So, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So to kind of like brief, briefly backtrack mm-hmm. to something you mentioned mm-hmm. just a moment yes. ago, um, like like Tobias outlined and then you, you guys talked about, like AD Vision mm-hmm. was able to get the rights to put the show out right. like, very, very quickly yes. after it came out yes. in Japan. Absolutely. Was, was, was there really anything that sort of was a similar precedent during that time? Because to me, because I mean, I was not consuming anime at that yeah. time. Uh, because that was around the time I was born. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, bite my ass. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but it, it seems to me like there was typically in those days a considerable mm-hmm. amount of time before like they things would air yeah. in Japan or come out in theaters in Japan uh, compared to mm-hmm. whenever they were released in the U.S. So was Ava like one of the first big examples of that? I, I think so. That's a very astute observation. And yeah, I really do think so uh, because – Prior to that, we really were working on shows that had been out for at least a year or two. There was um, mm-hmm. considerable lag time in between that. And um, also for the first couple of years, it was very typical for a show to come out subtitled and then let's see how it does and then maybe we'll dub it. Um, but they s- knew right off the bat that we were going to dub the show. So the, the dub and the sub were being done at the same time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when it came out, when it finally came out on home video in Japan, they, as a lot of people know, they ran out of money. Gynax ran out of money when they were doing the show originally for TV. And that's why those last episodes look the way they do. And there's all these weird, like, just sketch drawings and live action and all kinds of random stuff that's in there. It's like, we have to fill up the whole 24 minutes. What will we put in there? I don't know. Here's a picture of some people. So whatever. Um they they finally, after the show had that second, the full run nationally and became really popular, they had enough money so that when they went to do the home video release in Japan, they were able to put in all this extra stuff that they had kind of wanted to do in the first place. Well, later, people thought, oh, my gosh, AD Vision has edited the show. They released some edited version of the show, which was not true. Wow. Eventually, many years later, they got that footage and they re- released it as what was called the director's cut footage, mm-hmm. and which is really more accurate because that footage was not originally in the show when it aired on TV in Japan. And the funny thing that that created was 
all these super fans of Ava in Japan, they really wanted to see that exact version that we watched on TV, damn it. So they were re-importing the ADV release into Japan so they could watch the exact version they saw on TV without all the additional footage in it. They just wanted to see, we just want to see the exact one that we saw. We don't want you to have extra stuff in it. So that was like, there was some confusion with American fans for a long time that they thought that it was somehow edited, which is not true. And this was really a lesson because of what you pointed out, Austin, that they had gone in so early to negotiate this deal and start dubbing on it right away. And it turns out that this became a really common practice over the years since then that uh, studios would sort of be in a hurry to get something on the air to make those deadlines for a TV broadcast. And then later when it would come out on home video, they could kind of fix stuff. Mm -hmm, So they started, companies over here started realizing, oh, we need to put that into the contract that if you change it, we get that footage too. Because (laughs) that for years and years, the rights to that extra footage were just all in limbo and it couldn't be released here for a long time. So anyway, yeah, but it was very unusual for a show to to get released that quickly. Wow, that actually answers some of the questions we've got later as far as the production changes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Great. My, <laughs> answer got, We're done. my answer got really, really long there. Sorry about no, that. No, no, uh, No, it's all good. I didn't know a good bit of that. I knew about the director's cut that came out in, what, like 2004 yeah. or 2005, but it really exactly. wasn't aware of all that. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, I think it was 2004 when that finally came out. So it was, it was several years later for that to come out. And, yep, that's what happened. Okay, so uh, moving right along, like you said, at that point, you'd already voiced a couple roles, that AD Vision, mm-hmm. uh, with Gunsmith yes. Cats and Devil Hunter Yoko. I think uh, yes. Devil Hunter Yoko was the mm-hmm. first ADV release, if I recall. It, yeah, it was the first subtitled release, mm. but it was not the first show that we dubbed. So uh, Devil Hunter Yoko was their first uh, subtitled release that came out in 92, and the first dub wasn't until 94. So that's kind of when I got involved, was in 94. It's almost 25 years now. So at that point, wow. it had been uh, it'd been about <laughs> two years between between that and, and Asuka then. But I think yeah. Asuka is probably the one you're most well known for. So how did you oh, make abs- that connection, absolutely. I guess, with Asuka um, specifically? Yeah, before that, we had done one TV series. It was called Blue Seed, and it ran for mm. many, many years on the Encore Action Network. Right. So a lot of people I know have seen that show. I don't know. I mean, I just I really related to Asuka right away. So before I actually went in to record, uh I got the uh, videotapes for all of the first um, uh, the first seven episodes that I wasn't in so I could kind of follow the story continuity and see what was going on instead of just coming into episode eight and not really knowing what the show was about. So I did watch those. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was about this little whiny bitch called Shinji. And his dad oh. makes him get in the oh, robot. And it's like, yeah, I know. Anyway, so <laughs> Shinji whines a lot. And then uh, and there's Asuka. It was like, ah, oh, she's awesome. The show's really good now. So, uh, and I watched the first couple episodes episodes that she was in and uh, so that kind of prepped me for for getting into the show and I was super excited that uh, the character was from Germany and it's like oh I get to use some of my German that my mom said was never going to come in handy take that mom <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know I mean I just really I related to her I, I liked her sassiness and uh, her bravado right and just uh, I know over time I've seen the uh, you know the documentary that little redhead girl <laughs> Uh, on the Perfect Light Collection. And... Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that was a that was an extra that was dreamed up by uh, the director Matt Greenfield. He knew that I had this the the massive uh, Oscar collection and the little red haired girl. If people don't understand the reference, the reference it's a Charlie Brown reference. I mean, although Oscar is much more analogous to Lucy, uh, but the little red haired girl that was so that was his idea to show off my. Oscar collection, which is far more vast and ridiculous at this point, but I, I can no longer keep up. I mean, I kept thinking that some it was like Pokemon, like got to catch them all. Like you cannot buy all of the Oscar stuff. I mean, I I always felt like Gynax and then Studio Cara were challenging me, like, oh Tiffany, <laughs> do you have this one yet? You know. Yeah, they're definitely challenging you personally. Yeah, that's 100%. what I felt like. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you know some of that Ava merchandise gets really crazy. Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. And I some of the Oscar stuff that I have, I have like, you know, Oscar, I have a Oscar Schick razor and Oscar eye drops. Yes. <laughs> and uh I have a lot of the Oscar Hello Kitty um crossover merchandise and oh just some of the things are really ridiculous. Um Ava um potato chips and the cans of the coffee, the UCC coffee, yes. and yeah, the the uh, Oscar water bottles. Oh, there's way too much weird stuff. Yeah, nice. <laughs> like I, I definitely share your sentiments with her as a character. Because um, mm-hmm. when I was doing my very first watch through of Ava, mm-hmm. um, just immediately as soon as she showed up, I was very entranced by her. I guess <laughs> is how I would say it. <laughs> um, and. You know, we don't deal with the whole, oh, my God, we're in giant robots and, like, trying to save the Earth and Mm -hmm. things like that. There's just something about, I guess, the struggle that she goes through feels very relatable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, like, what made me cling to her so much. So I definitely get where you're coming from with that, like, Oscar love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I do find her to be a somewhat relatable character and... You know, at first she comes off that she's pretty brash and full of herself. And, you know, as the show progresses, especially if you do see that director's cut footage and you get a lot more of her backstory, I think it does make her a more sympathetic character. And Mm -hmm. you understand a lot of what she's been dealing with and the things that she's gone through. And uh, I mean, these these kids have really gone through a lot of stuff, you know, at 14 years old. It's (laughs) it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is somewhat of a side tangent, but I think a lot of, um, you know, some some creators get it right and some creators get it wrong. But I think that a lot of folks mm-hmm. in anime that look to Evangelion as a reference point, some of them have taken the wrong lessons from Asuka, where they just create characters that are just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, brash and bratty and, and all that. That whole tsundere stereotype, yeah. Exactly. Yes. And um, and while that's fine and good, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's like, well, Asuka has very specific reasons why she acts like that. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes, like, Asuka, like, well, she will forever be, like, Queen Sundere above all the rest because, like, <laughs> she, she's just not doing it for the sake of it. She's, like, yes. there, there's actually, like, yeah. depth behind, you know, why she is so mm-hmm. you know, bratty and pig-headed and all that stuff. And, and it makes sense. She has complexities and yeah. not just a, you know, cut-and-dry yes. character mm-hmm. type to please somebody. Right. Right. There's there there's something behind it. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think that's why these characters... Um, people are still talking about them 20 plus years later so Uh that's why i love her so much (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think it's still kind of amazing that 20 years later, we talked about the merchandise and, and the inability to keep up because it's just so crazy. With <laughs> right, the, there's so much. With, with the new movies and everything yeah. still going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just Well, you, you and you need to know that Gynax originally was a toy company. So all of these people that, that started Gynax, they're all um, uber otaku and they're... Uh, you know, so they're all about like oh, merchandising yeah. mm-hmm. and, and fandom and building model kits and toys and things like that. So yeah, it's it's very integral to the whole um, the whole Ava machine. If if General Products was selling Oscar stuff, <laughs> they would have made probably way more money off nice. of that than, uh, than the Daikon girl, I'm sure. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. General Products. There you go. There's a yeah. reference. That'll that'll give the listeners something to go Google. <laughs> yeah, go Google General Products. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, whole bunch of whole bunch of knowledge there. Uh-huh. Yep. Gynex has a rich history, and you know, yes. uh, Tobias and I, we we do. Um, we uh we've done it separately for many years and now mm-hmm. we've been doing it together. We do a, like a big uh, history of Gynax panel. Oh at, yeah, uh, conventions. The, right with the Notenki memoir. I read that years ago. That was really oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. very recommended so we, reading for Ava fans. Yes, we we love talking about that stuff because mm-hmm. those guys are insane people in a in the very best ways. In the very best most ways. of the time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> super cray cray. Here's a question: Have you were you able to meet any of them back in the day? Uh, not back in the day. I mean, I, I've been, uh, friends with, uh, the original Asuka, Yuko Miyamura now for, um, uh, almost 11 years. 11 years. And so wow. she's the main one that I really know and that I have a relationship and a connection with. So I do know her. Um, I, I did get the opportunity, uh, several years back also to meet, uh, Katono Mitsuishi, who, uh, Ava fans will know as, uh, as Misato, uh, but my connection with her is that we both played Kome, Kome Sawaguchi in Blue Seed. So to me, she's Kome, even though I know she's Misato, but to me, she's Kome. And of course, she is probably most famous for being the voice of Sailor Moon. So Yes. Uh, but to me, she's still Kome. And uh, she was very, very nice. And I did have you know, a brief opportunity to meet her and, and speak with her. But that that's really all of my... Um, um, meetups that I've had so far, so far. Um, maybe, maybe in the future there will be more. But yeah, I mean, we still have one more movie coming out, and probably yeah. a whole other set of movies in ten more yeah. years. Uh, 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 who, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's ever going to stop. But okay, so we kind of touched upon that a little earlier here. The way like the industry has changed, but again, it's been mm. twenty whole years since uh, right. Evangelion came out. How mm-hmm. have you? I know that you're still involved, uh, you know, in, in, in dubs and whatnot, mm-hmm. anime productions. How, mm-hmm. how has that changed on the production side of things over time? Yeah, the the production has changed uh, tremendously in so many ways. Uh, technologically, of course, things have advanced leaps and bounds from. Uh, what recording capabilities were in uh, 1994 versus what they are now in 2019. And um, uh, luckily, at the time that I got into doing anime, things had just started switching over to digital. So really, all of the work that I've done has been digital. So there, there is that. But Back in the day, uh, like like I mentioned before, we would record two episodes at a time because two episodes is what came out on a videotape. This is years before DVDs existed. So 
that's one big thing that changed. And then, you know, as DVD production came in, came into being and we would record like four episodes at a time because you'd get four episodes on a DVD. Now, um, you know, so many of the shows are only like a 10, 12, 13 episode series and that's the whole thing. And so you record all of that at one time. Or let's say if it is like a 26 episode series, you'll record uh, like 13 episodes basically in one go. I mean, I don't mean like in one day, but that'll be in continuous production until it's done for, you know, two, three, four weeks of time until you've got everything recorded. And and the recording sessions themselves are so much faster now. Um, I think a lot of it is like, well, we're better at it because we've all been doing it for years, the, the actors and the engineers, the directors. But also uh, I can remember when uh, we would be recording in the studio and you'd be working on an episode, and then when it get to the end of the episode, the engineer would have to back up those files, and then, and then he would have to upload the next episode that we were working on. Well, for him to, and I'm saying him because really the engineers were mostly all guys, uh, for him to back up that episode you just did and load the next one in, that would take 10 or 15 minutes. And now... All of the episodes that you're going to work on, they're just right there. Just click, and there it is, you know. And at the end of the episode that you've just worked on, and they save that and back it up, it's, it's like seconds. Seconds. You know, wow. we used to go and take a break. You know, you go have a sandwich or something, <laughs> make a phone call. But, I mean, you know, you had so much time in between the episodes. That was one thing that really did take a lot of time is you would have these huge gaps in between just recording episodes. And... um the ability to clean things up even or just slightly alter, you know, it used to be if we did a take and um, it was a little too short or a little too long, um, if they wanted to compress or expand that that file, it, it didn't sound right, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, this is, it's been the case now for many years that they could slightly compress or expand a file if the director really liked your read they could compress it or expand it one or two percent, and you can't hear it. You can't tell that mm-hmm. that's been done to it. it. It doesn't really affect the sound whatsoever. They're basically taking out a bunch of the little breaths in between, you know. And um, to to edit out things like mouth clicks or breaths and stuff like that, it's it's so they're so much faster at it now. Just every technological aspect of how the recording is done is so, so much faster than it used to be. So Mm -hmm. whereas, uh, say, in 1996-97, we were recording on Ava, and we'd go in and do a couple of episodes that, let's say, the production time on that would be a couple of weeks for, like, two episodes for them to record all the actors. Now, in a couple of weeks, you know, probably in, like, three weeks or so you would have recorded like maybe 12 episodes so i mean it's that much of a time difference um right and you have this need now with, with the whole simulcast that Crunchyroll does and exactly. even the simul dubs mm-hmm. now that funimation are yeah, doing absolutely just like trying to get trying to get these things out the door as quick as possible people want it yeah people want it now people want it right now it has to be done very very quickly people have this expectation of getting it immediately well it came out in japan yesterday why don't we have it right now you know they they want it immediately so you have to you have to be able to deliver that and of course uh people are mostly watching uh their anime they're they're streaming it or downloading it or whatever online they're not buying a physical product anymore 
So, of course, that's a tremendous difference. Mm -hmm. Uh And then you still have the folks that are just like, wow, I watched the first episode on Crunchyroll. Why can't I buy the complete series on Blu-ray right now? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not taking into account any of the production that has to go into that. It's like, well, if it's available available for me to to watch and and listen to right now, why hasn't it already been fully produced and, you know, available? Yeah, like you say, on a Blu-ray. No. Why why didn't you sell me this show before I knew I liked it? (laughs) (laughs) Beam it straight into your brain, pound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's actually really that's gonna be the next. That's gonna be the next fifteen years of of anime. Yeah, yeah I'll just beam it right into your brain. Absolutely. <laughs> that's actually a great segue into the next section there. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that's all the production. The, the way the production side has changed. How do you how do you see the fandom? Maybe a, not only Ava specifically, but anime in general. How do you see the fandom has changed since Ava first came out? Uh, well, I mean, it was such a niche thing um, in the '90s. I can remember. I started doing conventions in 1997, and uh, it was a, still a very niche audience anime. That's around the time I think that, like maybe Sailor Moon and, and Dragon Ball were seen. You know, they were starting to be on TV, or I guess they had been on TV for just a little while. Um, I think, and it's just before Pokemon. Um, so anime fandom wasn't really mainstream at that time, and it was much more guys. It, you would see much more males at, at anime cons than, than females, where now I think it's pretty evenly divided. Um, but, you know, and of course the attendance at conventions was much, much smaller back in those days than it is now when you have, you know, many, many tens of thousands of people attending Anime Weekend Atlanta or Otakon or Anime Expo or, you know, any of the really big cons, SakuraCon, MomoCon. There's so many huge anime conventions, Anime Central, um, just these enormous cons that get 20, 30,000 plus people at them, which was absolutely not the case back then. And, you know, cosplay, for example, you know, people did go and they did um, dress up as characters that they like, but it was very much people making their own costumes. And some people were quite good at it. But, you know, now that has become its entire own fandom, you know, and own thing. And people make a living as cosplayers and oh, yeah. all of these different ways that people are doing that. So uh, that that's a big change in um, in conventions. It's so much a broader range. There are so many types of anime now, and it's and it's uh, the ages, you know. So all the people who were doing anime cons twenty five years ago, a lot of those people are still doing cons, and they may be doing them like with their children and their grandchildren even. Mm-hmm. So it's multi generational, <laughs> where you know you still see the same teens and 20-somethings that you saw at cons back then, but, you know, even though they're, you know, it's the now, the people who are teens and 20-somethings, and then the people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, so it's, it's a very broad age range of people that are, that are going to cons, and of course, now, I mean, I'm saying now, but you know that I mean, like, for many, many years, with the internet, of course, there is the ability for fans to connect so much more there and they'll go to cons to meet up with one another in person. And, you know, you had to be kind of like on a mailing list. You're, you were reading about conventions in a magazine or something maybe back in the 90s uh, when the Internet was, you know, not everybody had access to the Internet. So, oh, so much of it is very different. <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed any 
this might be kind of a difficult question to mm-hmm. ask maybe, but is mm-hmm. have you noticed anything different in the way that fans interact with you personally? Like whenever they meet you at conventions, ah. like how that was in like the late 90s mm-hmm. versus how it is in like 2019 or whatnot. Have you noticed any, any changes there or, is, or um, are all the nerds still nerds and all that? Um. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I tell you, the biggest difference is now that uh, the people I was meeting at conventions 20 years ago, you know, a lot of them were about the same age that I was. And now uh-huh. I meet people that I'm old enough to be their mom. And it's like, oh, I've mm-hmm. grown up with you my whole life. So that's a <laughs> that's a big difference. You know, really to think like I've been around for so long that people like I've been a part of their life for many, many years. So it's not like they've just started listening or some of them obviously just discovered anime in the last couple of years. But uh, that's for me personally, that's a big difference. Um, But then the aspect that, again, because of the internet, people are able to find out so much about me before they meet me. Mm. So they may know a lot of things about me before they meet me, whereas uh, the first few years I was doing conventions, that wasn't necessarily true. Hey, Tiffany, I already know what your favorite mm-hmm. flavor of soup is and all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know if you guys have ever come across this, but I did an interview several years ago with a guy who um, he was wearing one of those Guy Fox masks the whole time he did the interview. Oh, my gosh. Uh, have oh you my seen goodness. that? It was, it's it's. No, no, we haven't seen it. You got to tell us. Yeah, it's kind of it's disconcerting. <laughs> but um, yeah, he when he was doing the interview with me, he like he showed these these photos and it was like the the a picture of like the front of the ADV studios is like, do you recognize this building? And I'm going, oh, my God, um. <laughs> that was super creepy. Uh, yeah, oh I mean, goodness. at least he didn't, you know, pull out a picture of the front of my house or something. But um, oh, that's true. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, my mom's calling me right now. I gotta go. <laughs> what? What did you did you hear that? I, I heard someone calling me. Bye. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, there are people that like kind of know a lot of things about me before they meet me. And that's, yeah, a little... Yeah, and I think with the uh, the explosion of you know anime fandom that we talked about, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a greater chance of uh, you know not only voice actors and also people involved in the production side of things just have a certain celebrity about them now. Yeah, I mean, and I you know I'll get recognized sometimes in unusual places, so you know that I'm not that I'm not really expecting. I mean, when I'm at an anime con, if I get recognized there, it's not too weird, although. I, I believe me, I have no expectations that anybody should know who I am when I'm at a con. I don't ever do the like, don't you know who I am or anything like that? Because, I mean, I'm a voice <laughs> actor. So, and, you know, legitimately, a lot of the people there, they're there for cosplay or they're there for something else or whatever. They don't, they may not have ever heard my voice in anything. Who knows? So I don't, I don't expect that. But uh, yeah, it's just it, a little bit of the getting recognized in other not anime convention places is legitimately weird to me even after doing this for so long cool so we talked a little bit about uh, uh mr guy fox there but have you had any like yes. positive <laughs> uh, any notable positive experiences with fans oh my like, gosh really stand oh out yes to you? oh absolutely yeah I've, i have had a lot of just wonderful experiences at conventions which is why i love doing anime cons i love getting to meet people in person you know our job is so isolated where you're just in this booth and the only people there is the director and the sound engineer so um just you know I get so many uh great uh, like pieces of fan art from from fans and uh people will bring me 
gifts and uh, not that that's necessary, but you know, if you want to, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I've had oh, all kinds of, I, there were a couple of guys, um, this is many years ago now, gosh, back to 2000. Five, I think, uh, Jason and Steven, who gave me a, a Hello Kitty uh, Fender Stratocaster guitar. Whoa. I don't even, oh I don't even, gosh. I don't even play the guitar, but yeah, it was the, the whole thing with the, uh, with the strap and the picks and the gig bag, the whole deal. Um, I, but wow. I, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I tell you the first time someone, and I don't even remember what con it was, but the first time I had someone who was a legitimate adult, like 18 or 19 years old, say to me, oh, Miss Grant, I've been a fan of yours ever since I was a little kid. I remember that just really, I I just kind of went, whoa. And then I, because I had realized at that point, like, oh my gosh, yeah, I guess I've been doing this about 10 years, you know? And so now it's 25 years. But, um, oh, yes, there have been a lot of really good experiences with fans over the years uh, people that send me emails that they met me at a con years ago or just I don't know I, I hate to say too much about it because it sounds like I'm bragging about it or something but I've had I <laughs> not at all I've oh, I've, all I've had I've had some really nice experiences there was if you guys don't know uh, Australia is the only country outside of Japan where Evangeline ran on regular television Right. So it, oh. yeah, it, mm-hmm. and it and it was on TV there in the late '90s. It was like '98, '99. So it was fairly soon after Ava had come out, and it was running on um, basically their equivalent of like public, uh, like public broadcasting kind of. So it was on regular television. It came on in the afternoon. So this was a thing where kids would come home from school and watch this on TV in the afternoon, and so <laughs> for them, this was like their Dragon Ball. This was a thing that people who wow. were kids in that time period in the late 90s, like Ava was their entree into anime. So my first time, 2005, going to Australia, and I've been there several times, uh, that was really kind of overwhelming for me. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is what the Dragon Ball people feel like all the time in the U.S., you know, <laughs> that, that all these people, like this was their this was their first anime that they watched was was Ava so that's that's pretty uh that's pretty cool really being down there and that was actually one of the times getting recognized like just in a in a shopping mall you know like somebody recognizing and I was I was there with uh with Matt Greenfield and somebody recognizing us like our faces actually recognizing us in Australia that was very weird but uh, a lot of a lot of really nice experiences there. The last con I did there a couple of years ago, one girl actually just she's just started sobbing <laughs> because it was so overwhelming for her. I was like, I hate to have that effect on someone, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got up and I hugged her, and it was it was very sweet. So uh, just I, I I love going to conventions and I love meeting people. It's really nice for me. It shows when you speak about it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Well, I t- for me, one of my most exciting things was the convention where I got to meet Yuko Miyamura for the first time, and I totally fangirled on her a lot. I was hyperventilating so much, I nearly passed out. It's really true. Oh. I was super, super excited. I had wanted to meet her for years and years and years. And so when I finally got to meet her the first time, it was amazing. It was like 
everything I would have ever expected it to be and even better. It was, it was great. And we went to Pearl Land together, which is like Hello Kitty theme park in Japan. And Aww. I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's really good. It's really, really good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, sort of moving forward into the future now, of course, the, the Ellen Petus for this podcast series would be the, 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 I guess, maybe not newly at this point by the time this come out, but the announcement of the Netflix acquisition uh, of yes. the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think that that's kind of amazing that we have this, the, probably the most accessible channel for most people in the country. Mm-hmm. And now we have right. the show that means so much to us, you know, it's so mm-hmm. easily accessible. So you talked about, you know, the fans back then who just just getting in the community and meeting up at conventions and how things have changed and, and mm-hmm. people recognize you more now. How do you see mm-hmm. like fandom changing, you know, at the end of the year with Ava being so easily accessible? I don't know. I mean, I think it I think it is going to bring in a lot of new fans to the show because obviously even though millions and millions of people have already seen the show and love the show, um, there are obviously millions more people who have never seen it and never even heard of it. You know, I mean, in my mm-hmm. day-to-day life, my interactions with most of the public at large, they have no idea what Evangelion is or very little idea what even what anime is, believe it or not. But uh, yeah, it's so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this is um, viewed by more people and uh, what their reaction is going to be to it. Uh, I feel like Ava is kind of this juggernaut, though, that for a lot of the reasons that we've discussed, the, uh, the, the depth of the characters and so on, and the, the sort of existential questions that the plot asks, that I, I think there will be iterations of this for generations to come after I'm gone, after Hideaki Anno is gone. I think people will be making new versions, reboots. I think it's going to you know keep going indefinitely into the future. And, you know, I think this definitely has a, a great potential of bringing in a new generation of fans. Now, at this point, um, we don't know exactly what they're going to be showing if they're going to be just streaming, uh, if it'll be the original version that we did, or if there's a possibility that it's going to be uh, redone, because I know that they have um, redubbed some of the shows that they have acquired. So that is still an up-in-the-air question. We do have mm-hmm. we do have a petition. I didn't start it, but... Uh, a fan started a petition asking Netflix that if they are going to redub it, they would like it to be the original cast. So I'm putting in a little plug mm-hmm. for that. Well, I thought it was um, just generally very considerate for uh, Funimation to bring you all back whenever the rebuild dubs came around. And uh, I just yeah. I hope that that Netflix looks to that and thinks, mm-hmm. well, you know, there's there is this, you know, immense attachment of the fan base to like these specific portrayals of these characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since since all of you seem to be ready and willing and still working and. Uh, available. I mean, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't bring you back. I, I don't either. I mean, we we can we can all still play teenagers. You know, they're yeah. they're still using they're still using the original <laughs> cast in Japan. So I mean, right. I, 
obviously, yeah. as young as we were when we started, you know, we're still doing as I as I always like to point out, Nancy Cartwright has been playing a 10 year old boy for more than 30 years. So <laughs> exactly. It's true. And it's uh, it's not like, you know, Ava really needs the Sailor Moon treatment because um, like I feel everybody and their mother knows, you know, Sailor Moon got so chopped up and censored and all that craziness. And, yeah. you know, that didn't really occur with Ava. So why no. not? You know, yeah, there was I, I'm not sure if how much people are aware of like all of the, the history uh, about Ava. And when when we were working on that, uh, the TV series originally, there was so much oversight of that show. Uh, Gynax were heavily involved in the production of that with uh, scripts actually literally being sent back and forth across the Pacific Ocean, you know, um, wow. with red marks coming back on them and, you know, make sure this is done this way and don't change this and this being like this and them being very specific about certain word choices that they wanted. For example, like um, the enemies that were fighting, they wanted those to be specifically called angels even though the word, I am told by people who are much more fluent in Japanese than I am, that the word might be more literally translated as something like a messenger. But an angel is a sort of a messenger. So, But that was a specific word choice that they wanted. They wanted them to be called angels. And they also specifically wanted the show to be called Neon Genesis Evangelion. And um, the title... You know, there's there there could be some leeway in what that title could have been called in English, um, Shinseki mm. Evangelion. So, um, like New Century Evangelion or something like that. So anyway, but there were the point is that there was a lot of oversight. This was not done willy nilly, and anybody who knows anything about Matt Greenfield knows that he is a very obsessive fanboy <laughs> from way back <laughs> and uh he he has always taken a lot of care with uh with shows that he has worked on to make sure that they were treated appropriately that they were done accurately and everything and and there was a lot of care taken with that show so um anyway I, i'm i'm proud of the work that we did on it and i Mm -hmm. I think it still stands up. Oh, absolutely. I really hope I really hope that Netflix would just um, you know, just air the version that we did. I I think it's still good. Right. Yeah. There is no Oscar absolutely. without Tiffany Grant, as far oh, as I'm concerned. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Hashtag <laughs> Tiffany is Oscar. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Spike is Shinji. All That's of that. right. Spike is Shinji. Yep. Amanda is Ray. There you go. Yeah. Uh huh. Um I don't I don't intend to derail mm -hmm. this podcast into no, this no. direction but yes. sort of after since it's all said and done it's been a couple years now mm -hmm. can you tell us all the stuff on mm -hmm. your end that affected what happened with the release of 3.0 oh wow uh yeah you know that 3.0 came out and then it was really quite a while before we actually did the dub of it, and uh, we all the years sort of all meld into one another. I think it did it come out in Japan? What was it, 2011? 2013 or 12? It was 13, yeah. yeah. When it when it came out in Japan, okay, okay. I believe so. Uh, uh all right. Uh, well, we uh, we did the dub. Gosh, the years are all m just melding together in my mind. But we did the dub one summer, and it was like the summer of like 2013 or 14 or whatever it was. And we had done it, 
And that following spring, it uh, had, it was like January or February, it had a, uh, a limited theatrical release across North America. It was in the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was a one weekend thing, like a Friday, Saturday deal, where it played in all these theaters um, across the U.S. And there were a lot of people who mm-hmm. did go and see it. I was traveling My, at the time. Myself included. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, a lot of people did get to see that theatrical release of the movie. And then we had really thought that that following spring or summer, like, well, it was going to be coming out any time. I mean, the movie was done. It came out. And we were waiting. And it didn't come out. It didn't come out. I wasn't hearing anything. And I wasn't hearing anything. And... um then it was a good, I think at least a year later after we had dubbed it the first time, we got called back in to redo it. Yes, I know the movie is called You Cannot Redo. <laughs> you, very, you very much can, and we very much did redo. So um, Cara, Studio Cara wanted um, a lot of very specific changes to certain things in the show and um, Funimation had to uh, you know acquiesce and, and go along with all of that and so we were literally supervised in studio both as to the content of the wording of each line and the reading the delivery of each line and so my my all-time favorite Asuka line in our original version for people who did see it in the theater was um, he's not just an idiot. He's an asshole. So <laughs> that was my favorite Oscar line ever. And when we redid it, I, I, was t- I wasn't in the theater. I didn't get to see it, unfortunately, which I really hate now because that version no longer exists. Uh, I was told it was very well received. But um, the line now and forever is, he's not just an idiot. He's a brat. Womp womp. Okay. <laughs> uh, eh, I know doesn't have quite the same punch. But anyway, so there you go. But that's, uh, I, I don't really know all the behind the scenes of what happened. But uh, then after we had recorded that, uh, it still took like another year after that right. for it to actually be finally released. And I, I just, a lot of it was baffling to me as to mm-hmm. why that all took so long. But that's, I mean, that's what I know. And um, it just took forever. And I got i got paid to do it twice, but... Um, there you go. <laughs> I don't hey, know. That, that's nice. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish I really could have gotten to see that, that version in theaters. That would have been awesome. I feel like someone somewhere probably has a copy of it, and it will probably surface on the internet one day. You know, day. I can't really <laughs> confirm that that's true. I don't. I don't have it. I. I can tell you, I don't have a copy of it, and that makes me right. very sad. Right. Well, I'm certainly not going to go around and ask, but if it ever shows up, I won't say that I won't download it. People can find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you talked earlier about uh, Kara being very specific about these movies and, and the, oh, like the yes. lines and the uh, particularly even the third being, one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Being very particular, even Gynax being very particular about mm-hmm, certain mm-hmm. terminologies. How about uh, how about your German? Do they not? Uh, sort of try to critique that, or do they just kind of skim over it? Uh, well, I, I'm assuming it was approved because I don't think there was anything that we did that wasn't approved. And um, really, all of the German, because we did add in quite a bit of extra German in the, in the TV series than, than was in the original, but I didn't say anything different. I wasn't 
you know, we weren't changing the context of what was being said. So it wasn't like she was saying, oh, Shinji, you, you and Toji and Kinsuke, you're all great guys and I love you, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when she was uh, yelling at them about, you know, being perverts and idiots and stuff, she was just saying the same stuff. It was just in German instead of, uh, instead of in, in English or in Japanese. And that was really one of the things that... Uh, was quite uh, a challenge for Miyamura, actually, because she doesn't speak German, and she was right. very, very self-conscious about that. Mm. That was a really big issue for her, that she was very apprehensive about doing, and which I can understand. And, you know, the syntax and the pronunciation and everything from German to Japanese, it's so radically different. And, right. you know, I, I think she did a very good job with it for, like, really having no background in German whatsoever. And since I did have that background, we thought it would be fun to kind of play that up a little bit. What I always call like the Ricky Ricardo um, method where when Lucy goes off and does some harebrained thing, and this is an I love Lucy reference, so people who don't (laughs) understand. um, Yeah, Lucy would do something crazy and then Ricky would blow up and he starts yelling at her in Spanish. And I thought, well, you know, we could do the same thing in German. So when Shinji does something stupid, which was a lot, then... uh, Asuka can, you know, start yelling at him in German, and it was awesome. And actually, one of my favorite things is with Spike when he, she's telling him to think in German in yeah. episodes, oh, and he's like, uh, strudel, wienerschnitzel, <laughs> yeah, wienerhosen. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That was, that was great. I loved that so much. So. I, uh, I just popped that episode in just last night mm-hmm. uh, in preparing for this podcast because I just wanted to watch <laughs> it one more time. And, like, man, that cracked me up this time more than ever before. Like, mm-hmm. I always knew it was funny, but for some reason it just it hit yeah. my funny bone. Yeah. I, a, I remember. I remember. Thank you. I remember that. Oh, I'm saying thank you. I didn't even do it, but whatever. whatever. It's a very Oscar <laughs> thing of me to say. Um, I remember that recording that so vividly i just i remember so vividly working on that that at first episode and that's you know 22 years ago but i i do remember it really really well because we spent so much time on that first episode because we really got to establish her character mm. and what is she like and you know do we like this tone of her voice and and even you know toying with the idea of should she have a german accent or not and just things uh, like that you know really working on what oscar sounds like who she is her attitude and everything um yeah now i remember uh, at the time i was taking german in high school and i don't remember any of it now of course but uh, mm-hmm. watching the part later when you're uh, when oscar's talking with her mother and she just yes. instantly snaps into German. Being mm-hmm. able to follow along with that, with my limited mm-hmm. German experience at the time, mm-hmm. was actually pretty cool. So it was cool to, to be able to hear that. In yeah, I did. Back, thank you. Back in the day, before the, the, the version, it didn't get dubbed into German until about 2004 or something like that. So I did used to occasionally get um, fan mail from German fans, which was kind of fun. Um a lot of that phone call I did actually write because some of it I, I couldn't understand what she was saying or if right. it was even like actual words or if it was just kind of mm. blah, 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 right. you know, kind of a thing. Uh, so some of that I, I did. I didn't go too far out, you know, in like inventing stuff. It was just like, yes, I'm very popular with the boys and, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um and things that Oscar would say. Things that Oscar would say. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I didn't really make any big plot revelations like Ray is a clone. You know, I didn't. There was nothing like that. <laughs> Spoilers. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't think a clone. I, I don't even think I knew that at the time. But. You know <laughs> that there was somebody sitting there, though, going, oh, my God, I bet she's giving away the whole, the whole everything right there in that one conversation. I, but I don't know because I don't know German. Yeah. I, one time I, I did this convention in Ireland, and they wanted me to provide something as uh, uh, like a, an item for a charity auction that would be a unique item. And so I typed up, and I, I made it, like, really nice in a frame, and I put some artwork in it, but I typed up, like, the converse, that conversation, all of her text in German, exactly what I said, transcribed, and then I did a translation of it, and I, and I framed that, and um, that got auctioned off, or it was, like, more than $100 somebody paid for that. It was, like, literally a piece of paper that I typed. But uh, <laughs> I did, I promised the guy who bought that, and I have held this up, that I would that that's the one and only one of those that would ever exist. So, mm-hmm. and, and it was. All right. So I guess kind of, kind of wrap up here. Um, we talked about, you know, sort of the, the general timeline of, of the Ava mm-hmm. fandom there moving into you know, early conventions uh, onto, mm-hmm. you know, today and the new Netflix generation, people picking it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any, maybe any message to potential fans that, you know, you'll be getting in the next couple of years of new, new people, maybe new, new kids uh, being introduced to the series and, yeah. And, and moving forward and really enjoying and, and being a part of the Ava fandom? Wow. Uh, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a timeless show. Uh, some people now will talk about, oh, the, you know, the way it was animated or things like that. But I still think it's a very accessible show. And I think the themes of it, you know, why are we here? What is our place in, in society, our place in the universe? What is our purpose you know, all of those big questions, they're still out there. There's still things that draw people in. And I i think the show is fascinating for that and the relationships of the, the characters to one another. And you don't even really have to be a fan of mecha anime or giant robots or anything like that to get into the show. So I think it's something that's accessible for everyone, whether you know anything about anime or sci-fi or whatever. It's it's just really a human story, and it's about these these kids that are going through these incredible experiences and how they're dealing with it. Exactly. I would completely agree that Ava very yep. much is stories about humanity and about these characters mm-hmm. more so than it is, you know, the robots mm-hmm. or the sci-fi, you know, paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our podcast for today. Tiffany, I want to okay. thank you once again for joining us and okay. recording. We have, have, I'm sure I speak from both Austin and Tori that we very much appreciate uh, you spending this hour with us here. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'm yeah. very happy to have been a part. Yeah. Where can uh, people connect with you on social media? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm not a super big social media person but there is the um on on facebook you can look for the tiffany grant fan club and i do participate in that on facebook i have an old fashioned website which is tiffanygrant.net and people can email me through my website so that's a real thing so either the <laughs> uh the facebook uh tiffany grant fan club on facebook or uh, my website tiffanygrant.net and i would love to see you guys at uh, conventions my next convention that i have for sure coming up is uh, down in Valdosta, Georgia. It's uh, Tiger Con, and uh, that's oh. right there near the uh, Florida-Georgia line, and that's uh, coming up in April. So I will hopefully look forward to seeing some folks down there. Cool. Great. Exciting times. Yes. All right. I want to thank you, Tiffany, again, for joining us tonight. 
This has been not only another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, but also the first part of a new series dedicated to Neon Genesis Evangelion. We have several new episodes planned, timed to the Netflix release of the series in early summer. If you want to keep up with this Ava project, or just want to see what our little podcast is all about, our main site is thirdimpactanime.com, where you can find articles and con reports, and you can find the Third Impact Anime podcast itself on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcast catcher you prefer. Feel free to connect with us also on social media, via Facebook and Twitter, and consider leaving us a review on Stitcher or iTunes. Again, thank you for tuning in and catch you next time.